Power of Unity from the sermon series, United, spoken by Pastor Peter on. Good morning. Wow, that was loud. Uh, I got to turn my stopwatch on. I'm, I'm on a limited time today. But uh, it's so good to be back. And I, before we get started, could you just look at your neighbor to your left and to your right, to your back, and just wave hello. This is your spiritual family church. All right, now those watching, thank you for joining us. If you're at home, look at your family in the eyes and just welcome them and uh, say you love them. And I think for, as I was worshiping, I just sensed a heaviness in my own heart. I don't know where it's coming from, but I think for some of us, COVID's really kicked our butt. And it's done a number on us. It's done a number on our lives and uh, perhaps maybe even in our own spiritual lives. And uh, maybe coming together like this just reminds us how important it is, how we need each other. And so I am super grateful for our staff because I had no idea this was going to happen. I came back and they told me basically we're going to have an outdoor service. And I'm just so grateful that there's so many of you here and those watching. We're grateful. We're a family. May God continue to unite us. And that's the series that we've been in. We've been learning about how we can be united together as a community, that we really do need each other, right? And uh, lots have happened since I've been on sabbatical. For some of you who might be new, I've been on sabbatical for about three months, came back about a week and a half. There's so much has gone on in our world, so much has gone on in sort of the state of even our church. And there's two particular groups that I really do want to thank uh, that has led the way since I've been gone for the past 90 days. The first group of people that I really want to thank is our Metro staff. Can we give it up for the Metro staff? All those at home, please, let's clap together in unison. They have led this church so beautifully since I've been gone and done it even a better job than if, even if I was here. Because I don't know, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be honest, I don't know if I would have okayed this. All right, so uh, I thank them, and I'm grateful. I'm so grateful that uh, they decided to take the lead on this. The other group of leaders from our church that I just want to thank is our elder board. Can we give it up for our elder board, please? Our elder board, when I go on sabbatical, literally acts as the acting senior pastor, and it's a group of them, and they make major decisions many times that the staff will execute. And I just want to thank them because they go above and beyond the call of duty uh, when I'm gone. And they really put in the extra hours to really make sure that this church is being led well. And I'm so grateful for that. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been focusing on the different nuances of unity. And today I get to close it out. And I'm going to share with you the power of unity. And this is key because I don't know how many of us, even here today, those watching, but particularly in our world today, I don't know if they've ever really encountered the power that comes from being united. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that we don't live in a world, in a country in particular, where we're united. In fact, we're a lot more divided than we are actually united. Isn't that true? And that's, what, that's unfortunately the reality of the world in which you and I live in today. And sometimes we think maybe if we have more education, if we have more technology, more wealth, that perhaps maybe we can be unified. And I think we've tried that before, even here in the States. But we realize that it doesn't work. Unity is a human impossibility. What I mean by that simply is that there is no way that we can, with our own strength, achieve unity. I know we've tried, but it just doesn't happen. I'm here to tell you that unity can only happen with the Holy Spirit. God is the only one who can bring us together in unity. It is really a supernatural thing. And the power that we can encounter from unity is simply from that truth. 
It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus, before he was uh, arrested and crucified on the cross in John 17, I think we went over this passage earlier uh, in the series, he prayed a prayer for you and I in verses 20 to 23. And he prays this powerful prayer, Father, please make them one so that the world will know that you have sent me. You see, Jesus knew that the only way we can be united is really through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power of God that seeks to unite us together as people of God. And uh, the one challenge for a lot of us, and the reason why unity is impossible to achieve outside of the Holy Spirit is because what destroys unity is our sinful nature. Our sinful nature, in its definition, is just our natural inclination to sin. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of my sinful nature. I'm sick of it, but it's a reality that's a part of my life every day. And our sinful nature, if God is not a part of and helping us deal with it, will often destroy unity in our lives. And so really what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about how can we get to a place where you and I can be guided by the Holy Spirit so that we can be united and experience the power of that. And in order to do that, it's really about what you and I have been called to do. And Paul, we're going to look at a passage in Galatians 5, and what he does is that he gives us such a great insight. And if you listen very carefully, there are two key things that Paul sort of takes from this passage to teach you and I today, that if we want to encounter true unity, it's going to require that you and I live out a calling that, he's, that God's placed upon our lives, and that calling is to live in freedom. A lot of Christians today, when you think about the word freedom, we interpret it very differently. Some of you come from traditions where that freedom sort of gives you a license to do whatever you want because we have freedom in God. Grace will forgive us. Paul's going to give us a deeper understanding of what this freedom is about, what he expects that freedom to lead to so that you and I can experience the power of unity. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 13 to 26. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 26. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 26. If you don't have it, your Bible with you, you should have it on your phone, but if not, just close your eyes and listen to these powerful words that Paul has penned 2,000 years ago. Here's what he says. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you, always, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. And so, God, we come to you today. We thank you for bringing us together like this. Thank you for those watching at home. God, some of us have lived an entire lifetime never experiencing the power of unity. We never saw it modeled in our homes. Our parents were far from a picture of what unity looks like. And God, for some watching and some here right now, God, they're completely oblivious to the power of unity. So Holy Spirit, come. Open our hearts, our ears. And I pray that you would reach deep into our soul and speak profoundly to each and every one of us. So, God, that we would do whatever it takes to live in unity. Because in the end, we realize that when we do, we're living out the calling that you've placed upon our lives. And that is to be free. So I pray that your power, Holy Spirit, would come and would set us free today. And so I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts, watching and people here in the stadium would indeed be pleasing unto you. And all of God's people said, let's say it loud, amen, amen. All right, so uh, when you look at this passage, what you find here is that Paul is trying to help you and I to realize that we're called to live in freedom, that you and I are called to live in freedom. That's really what, why the Holy Spirit is involved in our lives. Some of you, when we grew up in the church, we might have sort of an, a perverse understanding of the Holy Spirit. Some of you actually are scared of the Holy Spirit. You're afraid that maybe if the Holy Spirit interacts with you, that some crazy things might happen, so you're afraid of it. We had a series uh, years ago on the Holy Spirit, and many people said that they were afraid of the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest things of the Holy Spirit and why it needs to be a part of our lives is that it leads us to live a life of freedom so that we can experience the power of unity. Now, some of you are saying freedom from what? Freedom from what, Peter? It's freedom from our sinful nature. The Holy Spirit is so integral in our lives. The reason why we cannot go on spiritually, seriously in our lives, is simply because without the Holy Spirit, it's because if we don't have the Holy Spirit, we cannot live in freedom from our sinful nature. And I don't know about you, but I am tired of my sinful nature rearing its ugly head. Now, what Paul goes on to say is that he says that our spiritual, our sinful nature and the Holy Spirit will constantly be in battle. All right? That's what he says. Our sinful nature and, our, and, our, and the Holy Spirit will constantly be in battle. If you have your Bible, please turn with me again to verse 16 to 18. Let's just look at this passage one more time. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Paul is saying that there are two spirits that live within inside of us. The first spirit is the Holy Spirit. The other spirit is our sinful nature. Those two will constantly be in battle. Now, when Paul says we are to live in freedom from our sinful nature, he doesn't expect you and I to never sin. Impossible. 
we will always sin. In fact, Paul goes as far as to say that our sinful nature and this Holy Spirit that lives within inside of us will constantly be in battle all the time. And so get used to it, all right? Because God doesn't expect you necessarily not to sin, but he expects you to live in freedom from your sinful nature. That's what God is hoping. Because without that freedom of our sinful nature, we can never experience the power of unity. It just can't happen because our sinful nature will always rear its ugly head. So the question then is, how do we live in freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we do not allow the sinful nature overtake us and cause this unity in our lives? There are two things, right? First, we live in freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit when we crucify our sinful nature to the cross. When we are willing to crucify our sinful nature to the cross. All right, look at verse 24. Paul says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. I'm going to read that again. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. If you and I ever want to get to a place where our sinful nature does not rear its ugly head to the point where it has more authority than our, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, we have to start getting real good at crucifying our sinful nature on the cross. Let me ask you a question. When Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross 2,000 years ago, was it private? Was it just him being crucified on the cross and there was just a few religious leaders that wanted him dead? Were they just the only witnesses that were there? Was it private or was it public? It was public, wasn't it? In fact, it was a public spectacle. All were there to watch what happened to Jesus Christ. And so what does Paul mean when he says that you and I need to crucify our sins on the cross? What is he trying to get at here? If you'll stay with me, it's simply what I've been talking about probably for the past 16 years of this church history. What he wants you and I to do is that he wants our sinful nature to not be a private affair, but he wants it to become a public affair. Now, when I say public affair, I am not saying that you are to publicize to the world on your social media what sins you're participating in. That wouldn't be very smart. But what it is is that you need to get a few people, we like to call this a tribe of your people, together where you are mutually publicizing your sinful nature, confessing your sinful nature. That is what it means to crucify our sins at the cross. Can I get an amen to that? It's not that easy, is it? It's really hard. Every single one of us, we have a natural inclination to sin. I do. And Paul is saying that in order for us to get to a place where this sinful nature is constantly in battle with the Holy Spirit that lives with inside of us, in order for us to defeat it, in order for us to be free from it, we have to crucify our sinful nature to the cross. So I ask you, why? Why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you sharing the darkest areas to your humanity? Because I'm telling you right now, when you have somebody or a few people in your life that you do that regularly with, you'll think twice before you actually do sin. Because you know you got to report it. You know what's really, I think, interesting is that I get together with some people and they say that they have those kinds of relationships but very rarely do they actually really share their sinful nature. And I find that to be odd or strange and kind of weird because when you have those relationships, it is so key for us to make sure that our dark worlds never remain a secret place because when your sins become secrets, what you're doing is you're breathing life and giving strength to your sinful nature. I'm going to say that again. When your sinful nature 
is a secret nobody knows about and you're always trying to keep it on the DL, you're breathing life into your sinful nature. And so you have to be willing to confess and share and be raw and honest with it. It's so interesting because a lot of times we take freedom in Christ to use as an excuse for our self-indulgence. That's not what it's about. Christian freedom is freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. And that's why it's so critical for us to get to a place in our own spiritual lives where if you want to encounter the power of unity, you have to get to a place where you could begin to share and crucify your sins on the cross by making it public, by inviting some people in your life, sharing it with them so that you can grow. Uh, in, the, in, in the book of James 5.16, he says, when you and I confess our sins to one another, he says that you and I will be healed. When we confess our sins to one another, we will be healed. Some of you are saying, well, what do we confess? Well, look at verse 19. Paul gives us a pretty exhaustive list on what are we to confess. Look what he says in verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. For some of you, quarantine has been really hard. And perhaps maybe your sinful nature has taken on a life of its own. You, you, you never knew it could be that powerful in your life. And I want you to know that one of the ways in how we can do battle with it, really, is that we find a few people that we trust and mutually we share, honestly, no sugarcoating, the sins that we commit. Not for judgment, but for forgiveness and accountability. And so I don't know if this is registering to any of you watching and those who are here today, but if you want to experience the power of unity, there's no other way. You have to be willing to crucify your sins on the cross. You know, some of you may think just because we have a pastor title, some of us here, that we're these ultra-spiritual people, but if you, if you really get to know us, we're really not. We're really not. And uh, if there's anything that has protected me over the past 16 years since I've been the pastor of this church is that for the past 20 years, since seminary, I have gotten together with at least one person and I've welcomed them into my life and we mutually confess everything, no sugarcoating, everything that we've committed. And it's hard. And I'm going to tell you, after doing it for 20 years, you would think it gets easier, but it, feels, it almost gets harder. But I know that if I don't do that, my unity with my wife, my unity with my family, my children, my unity with my friends, with you and the members of our staff and our leaders here in this church, I believe it'll be compromised. And you have to believe that too. You see, when you're not experiencing unity, it's not always the other person's fault. I do agree, but always know it takes two to tangle. And many times it's also because of our sinful nature. And we have to be willing to do the serious work, starting even today, to encounter this place where we crucify our sins on the cross, where we will begin to confess our sins to one another. That's what it means to crucify our sins on the cross. And I hope that you will begin to take that seriously. The second and last thing, we live in freedom 
by the power of the Holy Spirit when we love our neighbor as ourselves. When we love our neighbor as ourselves. Look at verse 13. For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. When you and I are loving our neighbor, when we choose to love our neighbor, what we're doing is we're dealing with our self-centeredness in the sense where we're weakening it. Listen, all of us in here, all of us watching, we are some of the most selfish people in the world. And when you and I choose to love our neighbor, what we're committing ourselves to is we're committing to love someone as much or if not more than ourselves. That's what Paul is trying to get at. If you ever want to encounter true unity, that's what it's going to require. And I guarantee you that's not going to happen unless you and I are willing to submit and crucify our sinful nature to the cross. Now your, now your neighbor, Paul says here, who's your neighbor? Have you chosen to love your neighbor? Your neighbor is more than somebody who just lives in close proximity to you, although that can be the case. But when you look at your neighbor in the New Testament and look at it contextually, particularly in the parable of the Good Samaritan, your neighbor is somebody who is so different from you, somebody from a different ethnic class, a different race, somebody from a different generation. That is your neighbor. And if you look further into the, into the story of the Good Samaritan, your neighbor is actually somebody you would call to be your enemy. Paul is saying that in order for us to live in freedom and live under the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit to encounter this unity, we have to choose to even love our neighbor. Have we done that? Listen, you may not be a Trump supporter. You may get a visceral reaction when you meet Trump supporters. But I'm asking you right now that you probably need to get to know a few of them and commit yourself to loving them. Amen? You may not be a Biden supporter. You may get a visceral reaction when you meet them. New Jersey is a blue state. But I'm telling you right now that you need to get together with some Biden supporters and get to know them because they're more than their political affiliation. We've all, our Bible says that we've all been created in the image of God. And sometimes how we can encounter God and the Holy Spirit the most are oftentimes choosing to love people that we typically would not naturally gravitate towards. See, that's not easy. That's really hard, but I guarantee that when you and I begin to do that, it really help us to go and grow towards loving our neighbor and experiencing the power of unity. I'm really excited because Eugene Cho is going to be here next Sunday, and he's going to be preaching on faith and politics, how we as Christians need to engage in politics, particularly as the elections are coming in November. And just so you know, I do believe voting is a part of loving your neighbor, that you need to vote and make your voice known because it's not just about you, but it's about the people that you're caring for and the candidate that you want to pick that you think will best represent uh, our country and help in serving the people. We need to love our neighbor. It is the greatest command. We cannot live in what Paul talks about here in verses 22 to 23 in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control unless we're willing to love people that are very different from us. And so for many of you, maybe your neighbor isn't someone that's so far off. Maybe your neighbor is somebody who's actually in your home. Maybe it's somebody that is somebody that you've related to. Some of you never thought you had issues in your marriage until COVID-19 hit. Because in the past, you go to work, work 8 to 12 hours a day, you come home. 
make your dinner. By the time you make your dinner and by the time you go to, by the time it's ready to go to bed, you're ready to go to bed, it's late. And so you just go to sleep. You, you'd hardly talk. You never really knew you had issues. But now that you're with your spouse 24-7 and you see them every, every day, every minute of the day, you're shocked and you are blown away by the challenges that your marriage and the issues that are surfacing that you never thought existed. And it's been hard. It really has been. And maybe for you, loving your neighbor simply is truly loving the person in your home that you have made a vow with, to be unified with. Maybe that's it. Some of you parents, I can't even imagine what you might be going through. You never signed up to be teachers. That's why you send your kids to school. And a lot of you are now home and you're teaching your kids and you're helping them with their homework. And I know it's difficult. I know it's challenging. And sometimes I know it gets you to a place where you have hit your apex in terms of your patience. And it's overwhelming. But what a season. I know it's hard. And listen, I don't know what that's like because I have older kids. And uh, I don't understand the homework that they have. So I couldn't even help them even if I wanted to. But what a season. You'll never get that season back. It'll be a once-in-a-lifetime, and for some of you, I know you're saying, well, that's, I hope it's only once-in-a-lifetime. But what a season you have in bonding with your child. Maybe it's a relative, somebody that's hurt you during this season. We have to choose to love our neighbor as ourselves. Unfortunately, during this COVID-19, domestic violence has continues to rise. And this month is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And we have to realize that the, this quarantine and this virus not only has caused us to stay distant, but it's also caused us to become violent towards one another. And for some of you at home, maybe the person you need to choose to love is you. Because you've been so isolated, you've been hurting yourself the most. And you've been doing things to yourself that's not healthy and it's not right and your sinful nature takes over and it's overwhelming you. And today, you, maybe you need to make the choice to love yourself. I love the last couple of months as I've been tuning in online and seeing the, the stance that we're taking as a church continuously on supporting our black and brown brothers and sisters. Black lives do matter. It really does. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful to see people coming together, looking at your Facebooks and your Instagrams and seeing how we're being vocal about this. And I love our Asian brothers and sisters, how we are, we are joining in with our black brothers and sisters here. I'm grateful for that. But if I can just press in a little longer, a little bit more, could I encourage you that this also would be a season where you will open your hearts and your lives to develop not only a support system for our fellow black and brown brothers and, and making it known to them, but get to know them. Connect deeper. Welcome them when this virus is all over into your home and be a part of their world and let them be a part of yours. There's something so beautiful that happens when we're able to do that. God is wanting us and he's calling our church to be a representation to the world of what the power of unity can look like. But Metro, it's never going to happen unless you and I are willing to crucify our sins on the cross. That means making it public, getting together with a few people, and sharing some of the darkest things that we participate in and being honest about it. And the other one is choosing to love our neighbor as ourselves, our neighbor who is so different from us, that is not like us whom we might even call our enemies. God is calling us to do that. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, we are right now talking about how do we re-enter back into church with COVID-19. 
and uh, we're going to come up with a plan. Our elders are going to get together, our staff's going to come together in the next coming weeks, and we're going to come up with a plan where we can eventually come back and have service again together, following state guidelines, of, co of course. But for some of you, you might think we're waiting too long, and you might get frustrated. For some of you, you might think when we roll out our plan that we're going too fast and we need to slow down. I just want to remind you that whatever we decide as a leadership in this church, my hope and my prayer is that we will never allow a virus like COVID-19 to divide our church. Because if that happens, that's a real sad place for our church to be. I hope that this virus does not divide our families, our church, all the different places and people that we are connected with, because if it does, then we'll never experience the true power of unity. And so what I want to do right now is I want to just spend a little time in prayer, if that's okay. We can just go to God in prayer. And uh, could you just close your eyes? And uh, during my sabbatical... There's this prayer that I want to teach you. I think the truth of the matter is that it's, gonna, it's not going to be easy for us to find a soulmate or somebody that we can confess our sins to right away. I know that because uh, it, it might take a, a little time. So what's been really helping me over the past uh, several months is praying Psalms 103.12. Psalms 103.12. This is what I've been praying every single day uh, before I start my day. I say, I say this prayer. I say, Father, please remove my sin of blank as far as the east is from the west. I pray that prayer, and I, there's about four or five different things that I pray. I pray, Father, please remove my sin of lust as far as the east is from the west. Father, please remove my sin of pride as far as the east is from the west. Father, please remove my sin of shame as far as the east is from the west. Father, please remove my sin of anger as far as the east is from the west. Father, please remove my sin of impatience as far as the east is from the west. I want to give you a, a moment just to pray that prayer. Whatever sins that you have participated in that you continue to realize it has a power and a grip over your life that often has more authority and power than the Holy Spirit, can you just go to the, your Father right now and just pray quietly, Father, please remove my sin of whatever that might be as far as the east is from the west. I'm going to give you a few minutes to do that, and then I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. We're going to pray for our church. We're going to pray for our families. So just let's go. Let's go to God and ask him to remove those sins as far as the east is from the west. I'm going to ask you that if you're married, I'm going to ask you to make a choice today. 
to do whatever it takes to live in unity with your spouse. That you would make that commitment to serve and to love your spouse. If you're single, I'm going to ask you first to pray that you would make a true commitment to love yourself in a healthy way, but also maybe somebody in your life that you're struggling to love right now. Let's just spend some time in prayer for that. have kids, could you make a a choice to love your child? Now, I want to speak, of course, to the parents with little ones, very important, but parents who have old ones, maybe your kids are adults now. They're past 17, 18 years old, or maybe they're teenagers. It's not too late. It really isn't. It's not too late. Could you make an effort to make a choice and saying, today I'm going to love my children. Ask God to give you strength, the wisdom, but also the discipline to take those steps of discomfort so that you can solidify and deepen your relationship with your children. And for those who don't have any kids, could you just pray for your future kids? But also, could you just pray for the parents here in this church? Just pray that they would be good parents that will love their child or their children. Let's go to God and pray for our children. Two more. Can we pray for our church? It's the first time we've gathered together in seven months. And uh, unity is not easy for a church when they can't see each other regularly. And so can we just pray that God would unify our church, that Metro would truly be a place where our sinful nature will not take over, but the Holy Spirit that lives within inside of us will. Let's pray for the unity and the preservation of that unity here at Metro Community Church. Let's pray together. Lastly, Englewood. We're here. We're outside. There's some people that are hearing us. Folks, God has called us to love this city. And, uh, and we are doing our best to love it. Let's pray for Englewood. Let's pray for the people here. Let's pray for unity amongst all the four wards. Let's also pray that God would continue to open a door for Metro Community Church to engage with the city about Liberty School and that the city would be good within and would allow us to get Liberty School so that we can build it and make it its first community center in the history of the city. Let's pray for that.
Paul says, for there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Jesus Christ. Lord, the power of the cross teaches us that we can be unified, and there's power in that. And so God, help us. Help us to be unified in our homes. Help us to experience love, joy, peace, and hope, even in our relationship with ourselves, but with the people that we consider to be closest to us. I pray that you would help us to experience unity within our church. God, that we would be active and intentional about that we wouldn't use the quarantine as an excuse to not connect and meet up, but God, that we would use it even more so as an excuse to be more intentional about experiencing community, even through using some technology, if we have to. And so, God, I pray you bless the small groups, the soul groups that are starting in a couple of weeks. I pray that those groups would literally be sanctified and that as we come together as a community, that your spirit would work and would do a deep work in our hearts to unify us, but to also choosing to love each other so that we can experience the power of your unity. And God, we pray for this city, Englewood. Thank you that you brought Metro Community Church here. Thank you that you called us to be salt and light. And I pray, God, that you would help us to continue to serve and love this city with no strings attached. And God, that you would help us and help the people of our church to see, God, that this is a community that God has called us to love and to serve and that we would do so with all of our heart and our passion. I pray that you will continue to watch over us as a community. As the weeks go by, we pray for your wisdom and your discernment for the leadership of this church to figure out and decide what is the best course for us to take to continue to lead our church forward, particularly even in the environment and climate that we find ourselves in. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I have some next steps for you. You can go on your communication card. It'll be on your app. Okay, the first one. If you've never committed your life to Jesus and you've done that today, please check that off. We'll make sure we get back to you on that. Second, it's still not too late to sign up for soul groups. We call that our small groups. But soul groups because we're going to be starting a series called Soul Care. Uh, if you're interested, you can get information on our app. You can go online and you can sign up to be a part of one of our small groups. Uh, I'm excited because I'm leading, I'm co-leading one with, uh, with somebody in our church and we're going to do, a, she's going to do a phenomenal job leading this group. Uh, the third next step, I will confess my sins this week to someone. It's important that you start for this practice. And please, if you are already in these kinds of groups, do it. Don't censor it. Don't water it down. Just make it as honest and real as possible. Uh, fourth, this is the prayer that I taught you today. Psalms 103, 12. I will pray this prayer every day this week. Father, please remove my sin of blank as far as the east is from the west. Two other things that you can take a part of. If you're kind of new to this church and you're watching, you're kind of new, uh, I'm going to have a connections class via Zoom. It'll be on November 8th. If you are interested, uh, please go on to our, uh, please check that off and you can register. If you would like to register, maybe you don't have the communication card at hand, you can just email me, all right, peter.on at emetro.org. Partnership class is on December 6th. If you have taken the connections class and now you want to take the next step of learning what it means to be a partner, it'll be on December 6th. And so please, you can sign up for that as well. And, uh, and we'll get back to you with more information.